0: Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Estelle Tracy. In 2015, Estelle, a native of France, resigned from her corporate role to care for her daughter and turn her idea for a food survival guide for French expats into a book. Seven years later, Estelle is an award-winning food writer and chocolate sommelier. In this episode, we talk to Estelle about her journey and the foundation of 37 Chocolates, a chocolate education company. And I want to add that our iRelaunch team had the most fabulous session with Estelle and as part of 37 Chocolates, where we did a lot of chocolate tasting and discovery, and it was delightful and fun and team building. So I'm so excited, Estelle, to be talking with you today. And welcome to 321 I Relaunch.
1: Thank you, Carol. I am super excited too, to talk about
0: chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite topics. (laughs) Oh, right. Okay, but before we get into chocolate itself, Um, Can you give us a little more detail about your background and what you did before you stepped away from the corporate world?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I've had uh, a bunch of lives crammed into one, which is super fun. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm originally from France and um, I studied, I have a master's degree in chemistry, in analytical chemistry. And um, I really didn't spend a lot of time working in the chemical industry though. I met my husband in the US. I found my first job in the. US doing business intelligence uh, for a French oil company um, in PA. So in the Philadelphia area, I met my the person who was gonna become my husband is still my husband <laughs> at the cafeteria. Uh, We're trying uh, to be a better English speaker. And uh, but it was very, you know, I know I wasn't very excited about any type of lab work. Um, And after one year doing further business intelligence for another small company, I actually left the chemical industry altogether to work for an ERP software company for almost 10 years. Um, and what I was doing there is um, I used to uh, coordinate slash project manage um, proposal for our higher education clients. So it was a higher ed- ed- higher education tech company. Mm. And uh, I was specifically hired because I... S- um, fluent in French, and uh, at the time, they were looking for a French speaker to coordinate proposal development uh, for uh, a, a, fr- a French-Canadian client. And so that is actually an important part of this whole story, because I became very close with um, our um, French-Canadian account managers in the company and we stayed friends like to this day and she plays a very big role in my chocolate story and we'll get there at some point but um that's really how I got started then you know I wasn't just assigned to Canadian clients but I I worked in in proposal development for almost a decade I was part of a wonderful team I'm still friends with so many of them and uh that yeah that was really my longest you know, career stretch, like, you know, consistent. Mm -hmm. So that was those 10 years. And yeah, and that's the job I left in 2015.
0: Okay. Uh, So that, that's super interesting. Um, Can you tell us what led you to resign from your role and, and ultimately take your career break? Yeah. So there were,
1: there were a combination of several things. And I feel like, you know, looking back now, I realized like everything kind of collided for me to step away. So first of all, by in 2015, when I left, I, by then I had two daughters. So one who has special needs, my oldest daughter who was born in 2007. And then I became a mother of a second child who was born in 2013. And um, I had thought that juggling parenting with that job um, was starting to get really complicated. So I didn't anticipate that this coordination slash juggling will be so hard because I felt like, okay, I've done this once, you know, it, you know, the first time has to be harder. Right. And I just realized that, okay, um, you know, I came to the realization I did not, you know, love the job enough or felt like the job was meaningful enough um, to justify the toll it was taking on the family. I was uh, also, you know, learning for me is very important. And, you know, I had come to a point where I wasn't learning that much anymore. And mm. another important thing is that the company had been sold. And with that came a change in the culture of the company. And I remember coming back from maternity leave and having that realization, like this isn't the place I left. Mm. And I I feel like all of this happened at the same time. And I remember working on a project that was really, it was September, 2014. I wasn't liking the way it was handled and i said in the morning i said to my husband i wish i didn't have to go to work mm-hmm.
0: and
1: and then you know i said it in a very calm tone uh, mm-hmm. cuz i'm very fi- I'm, I'm very passionate uh, very fiery <laughs> and that evening my husband said you know you said this he's very calm <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <like me. laughs> he said you know and he said you said that you you said this like you said you didn't want to go back uh, in a such a calm, like, you know, way, it got me thinking, and you don't have to go back. I want you to know that. And I let that sink in and I said, Yeah, but I don't know, you know, I don't want to live for the sake of living. I need to know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And until I figure this out, I don't want to live. I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, and I eventually, left it was March seventh, twenty fifteen was when I left. I gave the company a month's notice. And um the reason ultimately I left is that I had essentially looked under every rock and realized that I wasn't gonna leave that job to go back to another, you know, corporate environment. And my husband and I discussed and we're like, okay, we need somebody. We had started having caregiver caregiver we were in a caregiver pickle. That's the best <laughs> way I can put it. And we thought, we need somebody to be with our oldest daughter um, during the summer after she, she goes to summer school. And she says, we still need, we need somebody to, to be with her. And we thought, okay, so I'm going to leave this company. I'm going to leave that job. And I still don't know what I'm going to do next, at least not very precisely. But we agreed on, you know what? give yourself six months and mm-hmm. do whatever. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of money saved up. My husband is uh, has a full-time job. And we're like, okay, six months of, you know, play.
0: <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. So. It was a sabbatical. or <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you had the six-month period and probably for, I don't know if it's the first time in your life, but after a very long period uh, of time, maybe this was um, one of the first times that you made a decision without having an actual plan, except that it was going to be for six months. And, you know, we're laughing about, like, you can do whatever you want. And, uh, but, but, you know, you also, you have, two kids, Mm -hmm. you have a child with special needs, Mm -hmm. uh, and you're really at a crossroads in terms of um, what exactly you want to do next, except you know that you don't want to return to a corporate environment. So can you talk to us a little bit about what unfolded during that six-month period, or did nothing really unfold as far as um, figuring this out, and you ended up having a longer period of figuring out what happened um once you were in that mm-hmm. you left and you're in that six month period?
1: Yeah, so I had a a one month plan. That's to this day I'm still working on this one month plan turning into seven years. But the one, <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, so we're we're gonna take a step back and actually go back to two thousand four when I started at the time a a one of the very first food blogs in French language, and so it was called L'Hamburger et le Croissant, which translates into hamburger and croissant. And those <laughs> were our. And there is a reason for that. So at our wedding, so my husband is from the U.S. and I'm from France, uh-huh. and I didn't. I wanted to do something fun for our celebration, and so we we had a plate in the middle of each table with one hamburger and one croissant.
0: You know, that was oh, funny. <laughs> okay, this is from your own wedding, and yeah, you got the name of the of the food blog. Okay, yeah, I guess.
1: So that's what we did for our wedding, and so I, I, you know, I wanted to start a food blog. At least it it turned very quickly into a food blog. But I wanted to start a blog in French language. Um, that was the beginning of blogs. Um, and I, and the reason was that I was kind of depressed that my English was still not good not do as good as I wanted it to be and I was starting to lose my French I was starting to forget about spelling and I thought oh my gosh so now I suck at two languages so isn't that great um so I thought okay I need I need to do something and so I started this food blog specifically in French language and um two years into the blog what happened is that um I was really interested in ingredients in the US and and the difference with their French counterparts, because one big shock I had coming in the US is that, you know, we all talk about being in a global world and, you know, globalization and so on and so forth. And because of that, I expected to find exactly the same food that I had in France, in the US, Uh, packaged in a similar way, find the same brand because of this, just like, you know, I was in my early twenties, like, what did I know about the word? <laughs> and so, um, and I just was so, I felt like I just, nothing prepared me for the shock of grocery shopping in the U S and, huh, uh, it's funny. Yeah, it, it's funny. And at the same time, it's really, you know, who thinks about that? We think about our visas and, you know, right. where am I going to find an apartment? And that aspect of things that carry us through daily life, it's something that we don't think about, and specifically in the dairy department and baking uh, eyes. Uh, In France, baking powder is packaged in small pouches, and Mm -hmm. in the US, it's sold usually in like these little cans, like canisters, right? Mm -hmm. And in France, yeast is mostly sold fresh, and yeast is sold in these little pouches in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many people from France want to make a cake, buy yeast instead of baking powder, and then lament that this is a really bad tasting cake. (laughs) Oh, I didn't have rice. Um, And so they are so, it's an adjustment. And so I had published three blog posts in in 2006, two blog posts, uh, three blog posts about difference between you know, kind of a a dairy primer, baking aisle primer. And I had compiled them in a 12-page PDF on my blog. And um, that was a, a, essentially, I call it a food survival guide for French people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I just gave it away for free. And this was the time before smartphones, before Kindles, before e-readers, like all, before tablets. For the following nine years, I heard about, the, like, I, I reconnected with, like, childhood friends through this book because the word of mouth was surreal. And people told me about this book for nine consecutive years and then told me, you need to add a chapter on meat and you need to ch- add a chapter on potatoes and you need to talk. <laughs> to, like, people gave me an entire, over nine years, they gave me a table of content of what the book should be. Oh, that's And great. so... Yeah, and I mean it's kind of the dream when you start a business to have so much feedback, you know. <laughs> um and and I never intended for this to, you know, bring an income or anything like that. But then what happened is in uh so if I left my job in 2015, 2013, 14, I started knitting and I saw people. Um I was very active on Ravelry, which is a social media for knitters and crocheters and i saw these people making money selling their pdf patterns oh
0: you know and i
1: thought and there are some superstars on the website and i thought well if if they can sell like a three-page instruction i mean you know for like five seven dollars well i can sell a book right like nobody is ripping them off or if they are not enough to the point of hurting their, their, their income. I said, I'm going to do this ebook about mm-hmm. my food survival guide. And so using purely my Microsoft Word skills and no cover page whatsoever, I put together, I think it was a 48 page PDF. So back to 2015, um, I decided, you know what? All these people for all these years have given me you know a table of content of what this book should be if I'm gonna do this thing, it may as well be now, right? So um a lot of the content I had developed bit by bit on my blog. So the first draft of the book was essentially 80% of it was done on my blog. So what mm. I did is I took it, edited it, added to it, came up with like a like a coherent table of content, and then put it all on Microsoft Word. And so April 7th, 2015. I put it, you know, put it up for sale and I made my first sale of the book that day Mm. to somebody from, you know, my audience and all that. And and it was interesting because I thought, okay, maybe I'm just going to take it easy for the following five months. But I just was like, you know, I know the value this book has and I, I have to keep pushing this. I need to promote this. And so I, you know, I got into you know, Facebook groups and, you know, got back into the French community and, you know, like, and then more word of mouth, I got good PR and, but still that wasn't, that promotion work wasn't a full-time job. Like this Mm -hmm. was just, you know, something to do over the long term. And we were talking about my Canadian account manager friend Mm -hmm. a little bit ago. What happened is at the time she and her best friend turned 50 on the same day. They were born in the same hospital on the same day and their moms are like best friends and they decided they would run 50 K in honor of their combined 50th birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and she was not really a runner before that. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, and, and so she's, she lives, her name is Nicole and she lives in New Brunswick and she FaceTimed me at the end. Uh, by then I had left the corporate job. She was still there and she was like, I mean, she was beaming and and looked so accomplished. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, would I be amazing if that's how I felt for my own mm. birthday. Mm-hmm. So long story short here, let's just say she inspired me um, to sample and review 37 chocolate bars in honor of my 37th birthday,
0: oh,
1: which great. happens to fall on Halloween. Oh. And, Perfect timing. <laughs> exactly. And so that's, you know, I mean, of course being, I've always loved food. I had a food blog. Um, I And the, why did I pick chocolate specifically is that we have a coffee shop. So I live in a small town outside of Philadelphia and we have this really nice coffee shop. And I saw a whole shelf of chocolate bars that look different from the grocery mm-hmm. store there was always a name of a country that usually i couldn't place on the map um and the price tag was not the same as the grocery store it was a lot more like you know it was two like at least two three two or three times more and i thought okay if i ate my way through all of this i would find <laughs> out what the significance of this countries and the pricing is and mm-hmm that's where, you know, my friends, you know, combining my friend's experience, like her personal challenge with what I was seeing at the coffee shop, I merged those two and that became 37 chocolate challenge. So that's what tied me over the following five and a little more months, you know, that's what, you know, I was busy. And when, when my oldest daughter was at summer school, you know, I would go, so I would have my, my chocolate. I would film like YouTube videos in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> like a couple of hours, but it was something creative. Um, and it was so nice to not have like a pressure of money at that time. You know, it's just like, I'm going to play with this. I'm going to just like experiments and explore. Or And for me, the success will be to just bringing the project to completion, actually eating, you know, finishing those videos and put a bow on it. And that would be enough for me. And that's really where, how my chocolate journey started.
0: What a great journey and a great story. Thank you so much for walking us through that because for so many of us, um, who are relaunching into an entrepreneurial venture, the question always comes up about, well, how did you do it? You know, and how did it start? And, uh, Sometimes we hear that people started really intentionally with a business plan and a strategy. And other times we hear that it was really kind of this organic process, process of this happened and that happened. And, you know, and then ultimately I put it together. And, and I just love hearing, um, when some, all of those pieces come together, and and also the uh, name of the company, Thirty Seven Chocolates. Now we know why it's called that. Uh, so that that's terrific. Um. So when the company was Thirty Seven Chocolates, what was the business that you were actually doing? Ah, well, the business part that was a little tricky to come up
1: with. Um. At first, I I mean. 2015, after the, the the challenge ended, I had built a nice uh, reader base for my book mm-hmm. in French. And I discovered so many amazing chocolate bars, um, you know, produced like, you know, in Oregon or, you know, Indiana, all places like, you know, like just, you know, and I thought, Okay. I always figured that because I had built the trust with the French readership that they would follow me on the chocolate journey too. And I remember buying like very soon after my birthday, my first chocolate inventory. And my plan was like, I'm just going to sell this chocolate to the French people living in the US. Mm -hmm. I forgot exactly how many bars I bought, but let me just say, um... I sold the two chocolate bars to French people and that was
0: that. <laughs> uh, and
1: okay. I thought, "Oh, you know, you know like the, there's this funny sound on TikTok like, uh, "I saw it going differently in my head." Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw it going
0: very differently <laughs> in my head. Right. So,
1: I'm like, "Okay. Um and so I have this chocolate inventory and what am I going to do with this?" And I more or less invited myself to a pop-up sale uh, at a local winery. I just, it wasn't a question. I said, I'm going to be there. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, mm-hmm. I have inventory to sell. And, um, and then realized that, okay, people need to sample the chocolate um, mm. before they buy it. It's just very difficult to sell this product online. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I needed to be able to tell the story of the chocolate, to really guide people and let them sample. And, and I was able to, you know, move that inventory a little. Um, and, but then again, I was like, I, I just was, you know, I, I wasn't pressured financially. Um, my, my kid, my youngest was still pretty young, um. I knew like, I like in my head, I'm like, you know, let's try to figure something out by the time she hits kindergarten. So at the time she must have been two, two and a half. And I'm like, okay, I still don't know what this is going to look like, but I know I have to persevere. That is my only, that was my only conviction. And what happened is, um, if, I connected with a photographer on Instagram who introduced me to a local, like super local, uh, journalist. And, uh, he, you know, he's, he was, I guess it was like a slow news day or, you know, news cycle, but bottom line is because I had started the 37chocolates.com as a blog a month earlier. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, he put me on the cover of the newspaper for Valentine's oh my day. Gosh. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, and I was on the cover of the newspaper and the headline was, blog, right, by thousands. And that was the headline. And with my photo, I'm like, okay, great. Um, I went to the local library with my youngest daughter mm-hmm. and a librarian came and said, are you the chocolate lady? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I said, yeah. Oh, I was wondering if you would be willing to host a tasting at the library. And I thought, oh, okay. And in my head, I thought, okay, it's just like, you know, like I didn't think about money or compensation. Mm -hmm. That librarian left and this the the person who covered for her started talking about compensation. I'm like, what? I'm going to make money for that. And I was just so shocked, just, you know, I I have I've hosted tasting at the library several times. And at some point, one of the librarians said, Your fee is too modest. You might want uh-huh. to like, uh-huh. like that. But um, having learned those lessons from the French blog, I thought I'm gonna no matter what have a you know, pretend it's already a business. Like act mm-hmm. like this is a business, like approach it and carry myself like this is my business, and also you know, don't try to push it if the market isn't ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so uh, essentially, I think, the you know, the way we can summarize this is that I could see I wanted to stay in chocolate, but I could see the market was not ready. Mm-hmm. And so I just did the minimum to keep engaged while keeping, you know, the pulse on, on market. And during that time, I... I learned things, I learned skills, right? Um, and so in parallel to the freelance writing, for instance, I I, I I developed almost 200 product description for a French company. They wanted both in French or English and mm-hmm. that I was paid for it. But it def- effectively became my chocolate education because I ate so much chocolate researched the heck out of so many companies and to this day I feel like I researched some of these companies so much I feel the people know me because mm-hmm. I feel like I was so intimate with them so it was just like it was a lot of learning and there are times you know like you know my income certainly from all these ventures was very minimal mm-hmm. <laughs> it was certainly not enough to support a family you know it was you know I, I kind of joke saying you know I could the electricity bill. That's really <laughs> the way I, I would put it. But I knew that I was in it for the long game. And, um, you know, there was a lot of figuring out, um, another thing that I ended up figuring out during that time. And that lasted like the cycles were so long, like, you know, uh, because of the library, uh, because of the, one of my lectures at the library, um, actually one day, um, a month after one of these tastings, I got a message from one of the most prestigious golf clubs in the country, um, which happens to be local to Philadelphia. And the club manager said, you know, our executive chef had the pleasure of attending one of your chocolate lectures. Ah. And and he wants to know if you could do something here for our members. Wow. And, And that was, that opened the for me, that unlocked the door. Um, it was it took such a long time to figure out a format. We ended up doing a wine and chocolate pairing. Um, but they became a client, and having such a prestigious client means that it's very easy for me to then pitch the other clubs because it is just such a big name in its field. Right. And um, and for a couple of years, I ended up actually being known for wine and chocolate pairing events uh between the clubs, between the local wineries, I had enough to keep going. And I would say 2019 is really when I thought, okay, this is, this is real. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, so it took, it took four years for me to be like, okay, this is going to work. I have something that is working. And that model was wine and chocolate pairing events at wineries and private clubs. That's the path I was on. Um, and people did come to those events. Um And, um, yeah, so it it did, it did take a while. It was a lot of
0: very long-term thinking (laughs) and lots Mm -hmm. of patience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and as we're wrapping up, can you tell us, um, just bring us to where you are today? Uh, and, and also that was 2019 and then all of a sudden COVID hit and we weren't doing in-person events and how did that impact your, your business?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was, as I said, a trajectory and I was all excited and March 2020 happens and I record a $0. Mm-hmm. <laughs> $0.37 has a $0 month in March. Mm-hmm. And um, and what happened is that one could call it a career uh, mini break because Now I had two kids to help with remote schooling. Mm -hmm. At the end of May, I had my first Zoom tasting, a ticketed event to see like, is this something that could work?
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it did. And people came and people from all over the country started coming. So again, to the word of mouth, um, my, my, former editor at edible Philly magazine ended up being one of my biggest champions. She, 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 I designed my, my first event around her needs because she was the first to say, you know what, I'm interested in this. Mm -hmm. She gave me a shout out on her podcast and, and I I was busy that summer. And, uh, and then I started having corporate events and Mm -hmm. uh, working with events, event, you know, agents and, um, and then things really, really took off December, 2020 was like, oh my gosh, I could not have imagined this to work out like that. Right. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, I just, I, I was so grateful for like what I'm grateful for, for this new iteration of 37 chocolates, which is really online chocolate tastings. Just like you and your team have attended where I ship the chocolate to attendees all over the US, but now all over the world, and um, we gather on Zoom, I feel like this is really, this feels so aligned with what I want to do, which is to really explain, like really explain to people where this is where chocolate comes from, because we don't know where chocolate comes from. And I'm trying to condense all these years of experience, including the 37 chocolates experience, in a 60-minute format. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've learned so much over the past seven years. And, you know, my goal through these events is, you know, as much as I love to, you know, like chocolate, where it comes from and look at these amazing flavors. Uh, Chocolate is not just this one flavor. And also I've learned a lot about the science of taste and, you know, what I like a lot on the zoom format is being able to say, well, this is why you taste this. This is, you know, you are a super taster. This is why you're not going to like this. This is, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, you know, it's not, it's not the, it's not you, you know, like, and so I just, it's just so nice to bring that experience to, I hope make people feel better about themselves, you know, using chocolate
0: as a, as a, as a vessel, but. um, um Estelle, one question Do you think your chemistry background was coming into play there when you sort of decipher all all of the different flavors and influences? I I do. I do feel,
1: I mean, that's, that's a great question. And there is, you know, where I feel the, the chemistry background, like I'm, I'm, I just, I'm so, you know, I love science. I love that I studied science. I think it's just such a good foundation for Mm -hmm. living life. And I had, you know, left a little bit that, that background behind and where I feel, um, where I feel it informs my job today is it's the, the, the rigor and the discipline. And what I mean by that is that, you know, there is a lot of, this is an example, you know, people would say that the flavor of cacao is really impacted by the trees that grow in the farms. And it's a beautiful tale and I will go into the rabbit hole of researching the science and see if there is science published if there is like a scientific paper um, and I I cannot in good conscience, you know say like present it as a as a truth if I don't have science to back this up. Mm-hmm. I take that role very seriously. Um, I was once, you know, reading these research papers in different, you know, in different environments. But, you know, I feel we have like, you know, I know that this is very important to me. And having that standard that, you know, what can I back up with science, you know, is like it's that rigor, I think, that I would be very careful to you know, stick with what I know. And if I don't know, or if there's no science, I would present it as such. But mm-hmm. I have found that there's a lot of people with
0: chemistry background in chocolate. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. So there's a re- there, there's some sort of connection there. Uh, so it's sort of like, you, you know, the connection between music and math. Yeah, yeah, uh, oh. Yeah there's a connection there. And and this connection is I'm not surprised to hear that there are people um, in in chocolate who have a chemistry background, because I don't know, you could you could think about um, uh, how meaningful that uh, base of knowledge would be. Um, Estelle, thank you so much for talking to us about the evolution of your book and business. It was really fascinating. And I want to know if We can close by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I guess now that I've been in it for seven years, like it's, you know, that I've left my, my former job for seven years, and I've, I've, you know, I've done the career break, and I have a business that seems sustainable. I I look back now, and my kids are older. As you relaunch, I think we have to keep in mind that we set an example for our children or the the youth around us, but also the our peers, and that you know n- nothing is as strong, I think, as leading by example, and. To, to have, you know, my youngest child now is eight and to see her pride of her trying to like draw art for my business, you know, like to see her wanting to be part of it and being proud of me. For, for me, it's just, it just bring, brings it full circle and it's it's not an easy road <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. But at the same time is that, you know, this is for me again. It was always obvious. It would be I would be in it for the long term, and I knew that this would be important for the kids or or like my friends. And but I didn't understand. I didn't appreciate it until now how important that example would be. And to not discount our example can really lead the way and pave the way for other people around us.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, that can be a source of courage. Mm-hmm. For us, I, I don't know if it's so much a piece of advice as in uh, uh, encouragement that this is so much bigger than you and what you do is going to really, you know, don't discount the fact that your example will will have a ripple effect on your community. And um, I think that's important.
0: Yeah, that's, that is great a great, I, I think it is advice. And I think it's also a reminder. And uh, it's really important for our relauncher audience, because we are relaunching in all different ways. And we are an example um in all the different ways that we relaunch. So it, it's a really important point. I totally agree. Estelle, can you tell our audience how they can find out more about 37 Chocolates?
1: Yeah, so uh, my website is 37 Chocolates dot com so 37 the number and then chocolates plural dot com and um i'm active also on linkedin um you can look me up at esther tracy on linkedin and uh, facebook 37 chocolates instagram at 37 chocolates as well
0: perfect thank you estelle thank you so much for joining us today thank you carol and thanks for listening to 321 i relaunch the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies advice and success stories i'm carol fishman cohen the ceo and co-founder of i relaunch and your host